When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Abgenommen bedauert. Due to the illness of Wally Mayer, the part of Mike Shane will be played tonight by Edmund McDonald in The Adventures of Michael Shane, Private Detective. <laughs> The people who make 76 gasoline and Triton motor oil, Union Oil Company, present... The Adventures of Michael Shane, Private Detective, starring Wally Mayer and Kathy Lewis. It's a bright and sunny San Francisco afternoon. The sort of day you want to close up your office, say to heck with work, and go over the hill. Right now, Mike Shane and Phyllis Knight have closed their office and gone over the bay. But they can't say to heck with work. In fact, work is calling them to the Oakland Railroad Terminal. As they enter the depot, Phyllis looks at her wristwatch. Twenty past three. Mike, do you realize that train is five whole hours late? Uh, I ought to. This makes our third trip across the bay to meet it. Yeah, well, watch out for these swinging doors. Yeah. Well, oh, it's in all right. Here comes the red cats with the bags. Hey, I'd still like to know why we had to come clear over here to the train to welcome Mr. Frank Hewitt Newton back to his own town. I wouldn't know what a minute, Angel. Fifteen-word telegram can't say much more than meet me at the depot, Pioneer Limited. Plus that little business about a package he's sending you, Air Express. Uh, something's wrong, and I guess he wants fast action on it. Yeah. Uh, hey, there he is. Where, where? Right ahead of us. Those two men and that red-headed gal. Yeah. Oh, uh, glad to see you, Mr. Newton. Oh, uh, uh, Mr. Newton. Hey, uh, Mr. Newton. It's me, Mike Shane. Uh, well, uh, 
Just looked right through us. Well, maybe he didn't hear us. Come on, we'll catch him at the taxi stand. Okay. Excuse me. 40,000 people in a way. Oh, oh, excuse me, sir. Uh, This way, Phil. Hurry, come on. They're outside already, Mike. There, there he is. Get into that sedan with the others. Well, run for it, Mike. Run! Mr. Newton! Mr. Newton! Mr. Newton! Save your lungs. Save your lungs, Mike. He's gone. Oh, for the love of... You know, he's got a real cute sense of humor, hasn't he? Three trips across the bay to glad-hand a guy, and he gives you the glassy stare. Yeah. Maybe it ain't from humor. Let's head back to the office. I want to do some phoning. Hello. This is Mike Shane calling. Mr. Newton in? No, no, he got back a half an hour ago. He wired me to meet him at the Oakland Depot, but something went wrong. Oh, you're Mrs. Newton? Yeah, that's right, Mike Shane, the detective. I don't know, I I got his telegram from Reno telling me to meet him at the train. Yeah, yeah, I was sent from Reno. Well, if I knew, I'd tell you, Mrs. Newton. You haven't phoned me. Oh, well, well, thanks a lot. Goodbye. Oh, so friend-husband didn't tell the missus he was arriving home today. Mm, Guess not. She thought he was still in Chicago. Awfully curious why he was hiring Mike Shane, the detective. That makes three of us. Mm. Where's that telegram? I want to read it again. Oh, oh, here, on the desk. Thanks. Uh Reno, 11.10 p.m., sending package, Air Express, hold for me, stop. Meet me, Oakland Depot, tomorrow, Pioneer Limited, Frank Hewitt Newton. Oh, he must have gotten off the train to send a mysterious package. But why? To make little girls ask big questions. Smarty. So far, the score is double zero. No package, no client. I'll get it. Mike Shane speaking. Mr. Newton. Say, what went wrong? We went over to the depot. We, we saw you hollered at you, chased after you. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, well, all right, but but it seemed funny. Well, no, it hasn't. Where? Fairfax Hotel. Well, sure, if it comes before we close the office. Uh, room 911. Yeah, okay. But would you not mind telling me what it's all about? Uh, hello? Hello, Mr. Newton. Hello? Hello? Oh, he hung up on me. Well, did he tell you why he gave us the fast oh, runaround? Oh, he says he'll explain later. Wants me to bring the express package to him at the Fairfax Hotel when it comes. Well, it sounds to me like he's dodging the sheriff or bill collectors. It sounds pretty worried to me. He's dodging something or... But what? Or who? Uh, You're Mr. Shane? That's right. Something we can do for you? I'm Mrs. Frank Newton. Oh, we talked on the phone. Won't you have a chair, Mrs. Newton? I've come here, Mr. Shane, to find out exactly why my husband hired you. I'm afraid you know as much about it as I do, Mrs. Newton. In other words, you won't tell. It's about me. Mr. Shane isn't in the habit of lying, Mrs. Newton. We do not know. We think it has something to do with a package which your husband sent to us. A package? Yes, an air express from Reno. Uh, he phoned a few minutes ago from the Fairfax Hotel. I'm to deliver it to him there. <laughs> That's all I know. Fairfax Hotel? Hmm. Well, I'll see about that right now. Well, that lady better watch her blood pressure. Uh, this is a divorce case. I'm getting out of it. Yet somehow it doesn't smell like one. Hey. 
Hey, Mike, now where are you going? Fairfax Hotel. I'm going to find out what this hoopla is all about. I'll see you later. Oh, fine, fine. Now all I got to do is sit here and just go crazy. I write letters, which is worse. Oh, there. Hi there, Phyllis. Phyllis. If you want to see Mike, Inspector, you missed him by 15 seconds. Huh. You must have gone down the other hole. You mind if I sit down? Just make yourself comfortable. Thanks. You're just in time to see me go nuts. Huh? Batty. Telegrams, trains late, phone calls, people tearing in and out. Oh, there you see. See what yeah. I tell you. See? Air Express for Mr. Michael Shane. Air. This is it. It's come. Let me see uh, it. Take it easy, lady. I just want you to sign. Yeah, sure, sure. The receipt. I'll sign it. Here. Here. Like that? Uh, thanks. You're welcome, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's gotten into you? Where's the package? What's the package? What is it's it all about? It's no bigger than a small book. It doesn't even weigh as much. But this is the dear little darling that's got a scagger. Will you let me have that again? Faraday, we got a telegram. Sending you package Air Express. Hold for me. You walk right past us to the train. Wants it delivered to the hotel. Wife says it's hers. And Faraday, have you got an aspirin? Oh. Relax me, gal. I'll get it. Mike Shane's office. Huh? Oh, no. Where? Market and Geary. Right away. Faraday, what's the matter? What's wrong? Phil. What? What is it? Mike's been hurt. Bad. In just a moment, we'll rejoin Mike Shane and his assistant Phyllis in their adventures. Regular lubrication for your car is, of course, most important. But proper lubrication is even more so. If your car is carelessly or hurriedly greased, important fittings may be missed or left dry. That is why Union Oil Stop Wear Lubrication means extra insurance against mechanical wear and depreciation. Stop Wear Lubrication jobs are a matter of pride with the Union Oil Minutemen. Only the finest high-quality greases are used. Each fitting is carefully and thoroughly lubricated according to the manufacturer's specifications. While your car is on the hoist... The Minutemen inspect out-of-sight points and check them for danger signs. Stop wear lubrication is so accurate and scientific that you receive a written guarantee with each job, which is definite proof of reliable service. Your car will roll smoother, handle easier, stand up better with stop wear lubrication. So, ladies and gentlemen, for guaranteed, reliable lubrication, ask your Union Oil Minuteman for stop wear. Stop wear is an exclusive process available only at Union Oil Minuteman stations. Phyllis and Inspector Faraday have reached the intersection of Market and Geary Streets where Mike was reported badly hurt. I'm scared. I'm scared, Faraday. I'm just scared sick. If Mike is hurt so bad that I know that he... what you mean, but where is he? There's no crowd, no ambulance. Well, maybe they've taken him to the hospital. Perhaps. Let's ask that traffic officer over there. He's just got to be all right. He's the best boss, the best guy who ever lived. Officer. Officer. Yes, sir? Did the ambulance take the man who was injured here a few minutes ago? What man? Mike Shane, my boss, the best guy who... He was run over. Not on my corner. Ain't been even a dented fender around here all day. But they said Market and Geary. They said he... They said... Oh. Yeah. A phony call. Somebody wanted you out of your office. Oh, I have been a dope. They wanted that package. We've got to get back, Faraday. Too late now. I've lost it. Mike was to deliver it to the Fairfax Hotel. What'll he do to me? 
I'm curious. Let's pick him up at the hotel and find out. Here. Looking for Mike Shane, Lothario of the hotel lobby. Oh, golly, Mike, it's good to see you alive and whole. <laughs> huh? Mike, the Air Express came, and then we got a phone call saying you were hurt and to come quick, and we ran out, and, and uh, I forgot the package. It's it's stolen. Holy, we're the oldest trick in a book. Now, what'll I tell Newton? Nothing, just hand him the package. Here it is. Faraday? In your pocket? Yeah, sure. I grabbed it when we tore out. You knew it was a fake call and you let me go on worrying. (laughs) I'd like to know who made that call. It was a woman's voice. Mrs. Newton. She tried to get the package before. Maybe. I talked to Mr. Tootin on the lobby phone here. He said he'd be down in a minute. Did he tell you what this hide-and-seek is all about? No. He was holding a conference in his room. One of the men we saw him with him at the depot got out of the elevator. Then you're waiting for Newton now. Yeah, if he goes down. Well, let's go up to his room and talk to him. Yeah, I'd like to know what's on the fire myself. I suppose that... Okay, it's from 9-11. Well, come on, Mike. The elevators are this way. Yes, and so is Mrs. Newton. She just stepped out of one. Yeah. Oh, let's not tangle with her again. Amen. Yeah, she's going through that arcade. All right, kids. Let's make an end run for it. <laughs> Here it is, Mike. Number 911. Huh? Yeah. The key is on the outside of the door. I will be so glad when we get rid of this package. It's hexed. Mm. Uh, no answer. Suppose we might stick our heads inside? Go ahead. I've got the authority. Uh, Mr. Newton. Uh, Mr. Newton, it's uh, Mike Shane. Well, he must have gone downstairs. Hey, what's that noise? Come on, let's find out. See anybody Uh-oh. on the sofa? Yeah. Mike, is that is he? Useless question, don't you think? Pillow over his face. Oh, it used to be a pillow. It's blown inside out. Stuck the gun into the pillow and used it as a silencer. Is that your man, Newton? Must be. Yeah. Yeah, I can still recognize him. Yeah, but this man's dead, and we heard sounds. Here he is. Where? Tied up with bed sheets and gagged. Slugged a couple of times, too. Here, give me a hand, Mike. Hey, you bet. Hey. Hey, I know him. This is one of the guys who came out of the depot with Newton. Yeah, he's not tied very tight. Let's get that gag out of his mouth. <sighs> oh, thank heavens. I was choking. Can you stand up? I, I think so. Oof. Dizzy. He hit me so hard. Who are you? Carl Stanton. Frank's business partner. You, uh, were, Mr. Stanton. You mean... And he... He he did it? Very thoroughly. You know who did it? There were two of them. Man and a woman. She called him George. That's it, Mike. The other two who were with Newton at the depot. Yes. Frank wired me to meet him there. They were with him. Had guns and said they'd kill us if we called for help. That explains why Newton gave us the brush off the station. We didn't dare make a sign. They forced Frank to come to the hotel and get this room. They made him phone a detective. I guess it was you, sir. They bring the necklace here. You mean that there's jewelry inside his package? A diamond necklace. Cost Frank $42,000. Ooh. 
And he sent it to me because he knew these two were after it. Oh, confounded. They've cut the phone wires. I have to go downstairs to call headquarters. Just a minute, Faraday. Let's get a description of the two so you can broadcast an alarm. Don't worry, I intend to. Now, look, give us the whole story while you're about it, Mr. Stanton. Well, Frank bought the necklace in Chicago for his wife. These people got on the train there, he said. They became so friendly, got suspicious. He sneaked off the train at Reno and shipped the necklace to Mr. Shane. Well, somehow they must have figured out the trick. Well, they found the Air Express receipt in Frank's wallet. So they made him come to the hotel and then phoned the detective. The red-headed girl said she was going downstairs to the drugstore, but she didn't come back, and the other one got awfully excited. He said she was double-crossing him. Well, she made that phony call. She went to our building, watched for the express truck, and then tricked us, huh? Probably. Go on, Mr. Stanton. Well, this fellow lost his head. Said he'd blow our brains out if we didn't give him money. We were to call a messenger here to the room with all our company cash. I tried to sneak the gun away from him, and, well, that's the last I knew. Uh-huh. He slugged you, tied you up, then killed Newton. He really went haywire. I'll get it. I'll answer it. Is Mrs. Newton in? Well... Uh, come I... on in. Well, I... I didn't expect to find so many... Good Lord, Frank. Yeah, murdered. Couple of jewel thieves. What did you want? Why, uh, I, uh, I was to meet Mrs. Newton here. What for? I, uh, I'm her attorney, Warren Wilson. We're going to discuss Edna's divorce and property settlement with, uh, with him. Looking out for her interests very carefully, aren't you, Wilson? Somebody has to, the way you're milking the company. That's a lie. If anybody was milking it, it was Frank. $42,000 for a string of diamonds. You mean the company bought the necklace? It did. Frank phoned me from Chicago for the money. I told him it would take all our cash we had in the bank. Just a minute. Mr. Wilson, is this the first time you've been to this room? Certainly. Hmm. We found the key on the outside of the door. Why, anybody could unlock it and come in. Right. What about Mrs. Newton? We saw her come out of the elevator. Yeah, but, Mike, Mr. Stanton didn't mention her. Of course, he was unconscious. Wouldn't know. Phil. You looked up Newton's house phone. You remember the street number? Yeah, yeah. Let's get going. I want to swap one diamond necklace for one piece of information. Send a cop up to the room, will you, Mike? I'm going down to headquarters and broadcast a pickup for the Chicago paper. Okay, but don't talk the newspapers yet or you'll be sorry. What do you wish to see me about, Mr. Shane? The Air Express package just came, Mrs. Milton. We understand it's for you. May I have it, please? Certainly. Here you are. Thank you. Your, uh, your eyes are red, Mrs. Newton. Is there something wrong? Why, uh, no, I, I'm just upset. I'm getting a divorce. Warren Wilson is your attorney, I believe. Oh, I suppose Frank has set you on his trail. Gentleman seems very interested in protecting your financial interests. I don't believe that concerns you. Excuse me. Uh, by the way, I... Saw you in the lobby of the Fairfax Hotel a while ago. Did you uh, talk over the divorce with your husband? I... Yes. How did he take it? Mr. Shane, if you came here to pry into my private affairs... I came I... here, Mrs. Newton, to tell you that your husband is dead. Is dead? Who did it? I didn't say he was murdered. Oh, oh no. Uh, no, of course not. I, I just assumed from the way you spoke... As a matter of fact, he was... Shot to death. Yes, they're looking for the killers right now. Two jewel thieves followed Mr. Newton from Chicago. Oh, well, then it was for this. This is my anniversary present. That's a pretty costly one for a man who was going to leave you. Well, if I'd only known. We were in Chicago, and I, I told Frank I wanted some diamonds for our 15th anniversary. He said no. 
We quarreled, and, and I came home without him. This attorney, Warren Wilson, he wanted you to get a divorce, didn't he? He said it was my only protection, that Frank and Carl Stanton were robbing the company, and Warren was worried about my property. Which, of course, he would be glad to protect uh, if he married you. Oh, never. I told him so. I respect him as an attorney, but as a man, a husband, no. He's probably heard that women change their minds. That would pay off even as executor of your husband's estate. You mean Warren might have... Oh, no, he couldn't be smart enough to use a pillow. Mike. No, I guess he wouldn't, Mrs. Newton. In fact, it's pretty ingenious for a woman. Uh, I didn't do it. I, I swear I didn't. I, I, I opened the door and Frank was on the couch and I just turned and ran and... I, I didn't know what to do. I, I was afraid to tell anybody. What would the police say? Oh, that's easy to find out, Mrs. Newton. Put on your hat and coat, and we'll go down to headquarters. Turn it up, will you? Repeating, pick up man and woman, George Highland, alias Slip Doyle, age 36, height 5 feet 9, weight 155, blonde hair, woman Gwen Evans, alias Clara Bloomberg, age 26, 28, height 5 feet 3, weight 105, red hair, warning, they are killers, they are killers. Wow. Faraday got a real description of the two. Stanton must have identified them from police uh, photographs. Well, then what's the sense of dragging me in? They're the ones that they killed Frank. Now, did they, Mrs. Newton? I wouldn't be known. Mike, that coupe behind us. Yeah? I saw it parked across the street when we rang Mrs. Newton's doorbell. You sure of it? I'm positive. Okay, I'll turn up this corner and see what happens. Yeah, it's still behind us, Mike. It went so dark, I could see who's driving. Wait a minute, the street lamp, that... Yeah. yeah I caught it in the rear vision. His pal, Georgie, able to slip your... Oh, the killer! He's alone. He's alone in the car. Oh, oh, he's after my necklace. He's after me. He's after all three of us. Mike, head for a police station. Save our necks and lose? Uh-uh. We're heading for the office of Shane Detective Agency. Mike, you're plain crazy. Maybe. We'll decide that after the trap is set. Oh, fine. If we're still alive to decide anything. <laughs> We'll return to Mike and Phyllis in just a moment. Ladies and gentlemen, the entire weight of your automobile rides directly on the wheel bearings. Now, wheel bearings are round, must revolve rapidly, and yet support the heavy weight of the car. Because of this concentrated pressure, and because they are also liable to damage from brake dust, grit, and water, the front wheel bearings need the best possible lubrication. Failure to keep these bearings properly lubricated may result in expensive repairs requiring parts now hard to get. Your neighborhood Union Oil Minuteman knows this. That's why he takes such pains to do a thorough job of lubricating the front wheel bearings. First, he washes out all the old grease and dirt with solvents. Then the bearings and races are individually cleaned until they are dry and shiny. Finally, the clean, polished bearings are replaced in the races and greased with special equipment 
to make certain that every surface is snugly sealed in a thick coating of Union Oil wheel-bearing grease. Then your front wheels are all set for months of well-lubricated, easy rolling. The cost for the entire service of your front wheel-bearing assembly is nominal. So for safer, easier driving, just stop in wherever you see the sign of the big orange and blue 76 and take advantage of Union Oil's front wheel-bearing service. Thank you. Mike thinks he has a plan to capture the murderer who is trailing him. With Phyllis and Mrs. Newton, he is just entering his office. John, the lights, Phil? Yeah. Mike, this room, it's been ransacked. Sure. It's the Doyle's red-headed girlfriend, that fake phone call you got, remember? Well, he'll be here any second, Mr. Shane, by the next elevator. Phil, you get into your office. Do exactly as I told you. Okay, all right, but this better work good. And lock your door from the other side. Oh, Mr. Shane, the man's desperate. He'll kill us, I know. I don't think so. If he sees I'm a mom, no. So is my husband. Good evening. You always enter with your hat on and a gun on your hand? I saw three of you get out of the car. Where's the girl? Phil? Oh, uh, she went down the hall. Uh, she went down the hall. Maybe. Or maybe she's in the next room. Luck. You. Oh, uh, what? Hand over the necklace. Well, I haven't got it. Really, I haven't. Uh, uh, Mr. Shane, he... Oh, uh... he's got it. All right, Shane. <laughs> Sorry. I'm fresh out of diamonds, too. Wasting your time, pal. No diamonds in that desk. Your red-headed valentine gave this place the frisk hours ago. Oh, dirty little double-crosser. You've got the necklace here somewhere. I saw you go into that house with a package and come out again with it. Grandma, what big eyes you've got. I'll give you ten seconds. I'd hate to spoil your nice carpet with a lot of blood. Oh, don't. Oh. Well, I can have the carpet clean. And uh, I'll have to unless you hand me your gun right now. What are you giving me? you got a good pair of eyes, chum, but you don't raise them high enough. Next time you test a locked door, look up at the transom. Huh? It's open. And a gun's sticking right through at it. And it's aimed right at your heart, mister. I got some bad news for you kids. I just talked with ballistics. What do they say? Slip Doyle's gun hasn't been fired for some time. What did I tell you? I didn't do it. Well, maybe he used the girl's gun. We'll have to wait on that. They just picked her up over in Oakland. He might have used another gun. We know he threatened to kill Newton. Well, I, I was just bluffing. He and that other guy knew it. He said I'd be scared of the noise. I told him there wouldn't be any. I'd stuff a pillow in his face and shove the gun into it, but I didn't kill him. No, you just got bored with the whole thing. You walked out leaving two guys to turn in the alarm. Oh, I locked him in. That's the catch. The key was in the outside of the door. Anybody could walk in and do the job. Okay, then I'd pick Newton's wife. She's in the next room with Stanton and that attorney, isn't she? Yeah, let's have a talk with him. And you're coming too, Slip. Well, all cleared up. Can we go now? Not yet. We're not dead sure this is the killer. What? But you all said he was. You might have that honor, Mrs. Newton. You tried to cover up the fact that you were in that hotel room. But I explained that. Maybe. You sure had blood in your eye when you left our office this afternoon. Preposterous. 
It's this jewel thief, undoubtedly. Or perhaps an attorney who tried to get Mrs. Newton away from her husband. I was protecting her from Frank and Carl. They were stripping the business. How very noble of you, Mr. Wilson. However, I agree. It must have been this thief. Oh, you're all trying to frame him. Now, wait a minute. Nobody's trying to frame you. You said you threatened to kill Newton. Now he's dead. You said you were going to fire your gun through that pillar. That's how we found it, the exact way. Say that again, Faraday. Huh? Never mind. Have we been slow? Remember when you and Phil found me in the lobby? I said I saw the Chicago guy going out of the lobby? Yeah, sure. That was before I talked to Frank Newton on the desk phone. Well, then... Then Newton was still alive when Slip Doyle left the hotel. I told you so. Slip Doyle made the threats. He told exactly how he'd kill Newton, but he didn't follow through. There was one other person, the only other one in the room, to hear the threat and to carry it out in detail. Carl Stanley. Right. Like a cinch. The jewel thief was a perfect fall guy. No, no, you're wrong. I told you Carl was stealing from the company. With Newton out of the way, he could lay all the blame on his partner. So the two crooks had a falling out. That's why Stanton was tied up so sloppy. He did it himself. Okay, I'll send a man to the hotel to find his gun. That'll cinch it. It's cinched right now. We've got the motive. We've got Doyle's testimony. We've got our own. You'll never convict me. I'll kill myself. I don't think you will, Mr. Stanton. They tell me the suicide rate in the county jail is very low. You, um... You don't have to see me to my door, Mike. I'm not afraid of the dark anymore. Please, Angel, allow me one little touch of Irish gallantry. Oh, <laughs> all right. Here we are. If I can just find my keys. Phil. Hmm? Faraday told me how busted up you were when you thought I was injured. The best boss, the best guy who ever lived. Oh, well, uh, Faraday is an old gossip. You know better than to believe his stories. Oh, jeepers, these keys are here somewhere. If, if I had been injured, dear, what would you have done? Oh, I, I'd come down to the hospital and kiss you and make you well. You would, huh? Kiss me, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, here, here are my keys. Well, um, good night, Mike. Oh! What? What's the matter? What's wrong? Oh, I'm hurt. I just bit my lip. Tune in again next week at 8.30 for another adventure with Michael Shane, Private Detective, starring Wally Mayer and Kathy Lewis, with Joe Forte as Inspector Faraday. Ed McDonald substituted for Wally Mayer, whose appearance was prevented by illness. Tonight's story was written by Richard DeGraff and based on the character created by Brett Holiday. Music was composed and directed by Bernard Katz. This is John Lang saying goodnight for the people who make 76 gasoline and Triton Motor Oil, Union Oil Company. This is the Mutual Don Lee Broadcasting System. Adventures of Michael Shane, Private Detective. The people who make
make 76 gasoline and Triton motor oil, Union Oil Company present... The Adventures of Michael Shane, Private Detective, starring Wally Mayer and Kathy Lewis. native of San Francisco, Mike Shane would like to solve all his cases right inside the city limits. However, this is not one of those times. Right now, Mike and his assistant Phyllis Knight are a two hours drive east of the city by the Golden Gate. Also right now, Mike is on the long distance phone talking to, you guessed it, Inspector Faraday. No, no Faraday, Moccasin Hill. It's a little town on the highway east of Stockton. Oh, I remember it now. That's where a rich old man Kilgallen died last month. Right, right. They said his house was haunted and somebody frightened him to death. Yeah, that's what his daughter said. She tried to get us to investigate. Listen, Mike, you're not getting roped into that, are you? (laughs) Inspector, right now I'm sitting in the chair where they found the corpse. Oh, Mike, you're not dizzy enough to think a ghost killed him. It was heart failure. Uh, maybe. I've uh, just been talking to the daughter. It looks like somebody's been trying to give her the business, too, like dropping a flower pot on her head. So you call long distance to tell me that? No, no, Inspector. Look, I want you to find out if a Mr. John Himes of Boston, Mass., was in San Francisco four weeks ago. One of your boys can check the hotels, trains, and airlines. John Himes, Boston. Well, it's a waste of time, but for you, Mike, okay. And look, phone me back at Moccasin Hill 193. Got it. Oh, Mike. Yeah? Don't look now, but I think there's a ghost behind you. What? <laughs> oh, that guy. Mike, the inspector giving you the Bronx cheer, Mike? Yeah, darling. Oh, uh, Miss Kilgallen, one thing more about uh, your cousin, John Himes. Did you two ever quarrel about your father's estate? Why, no, Mr. Shane. There's no reason for you to suspect John. He's the only other heir, but he'd never kill father or try to remove me, I'm sure of it. Besides, Mike, he lives in Boston, 3,000 miles away. But he makes frequent visits to the coast. Miss Kilgallen just finished telling us that. I'm sorry. Well, what do you say we have a look around the house now, huh? I want to know where the ghost hangs out. Well, as I said, Mr. Shane, they found my father here in the living room, in the chair you were just using. Mm -hmm. What's this next room? Father's hobby room. Oh, he kept his photographs and guns and hunting trophies in here. Oh, Mm -hmm. jeepers. He had plenty of them. Deer heads, mountain lions, fox. And they're terribly old. Father wasn't strong enough to hunt in his last years. He had to content himself with his guns. Mm-hmm. Well, the collection covers a whole wall. You know, it's funny, but this room seems much more worn and older than the living room. It is. Granddad built the house back in the 1860s. Hmm? The other rooms were added on around it. Wow. Father tried to keep the old part as it was. Mike, look. Hmm? Look, here's a souvenir of early California. Yes. A poster giving the schedules of the Wells Fargo stages. Really? Yes, Wonderful. Moccasin Hill was right on the old stage route. Oh, that long pistol you see above the fireplace, that was used by Black Miguel to hold up the stages. Oh? Hey. Hmm? What in heaven's name is that? <laughs> Sounds like a lost soul, doesn't it? Oh. Scared me the first time I heard it. It's just an owl in the chimney up in the attic. <laughs> atmosphere, Angel. Atmosphere. Oh. Every well-run haunted house has an owl in the attic. Now, Miss Kilgallen, I was just noticing the odd shape of this room. Half of the ceiling is so much lower than... That's because Father tore down the partition. On the other side, it was a secret room. We had several secret rooms, just like a movie set. Last year, Father tore out all the sliding panels and made them into perfectly honest rooms. Well, your granddad must have been a queer old duck. Somehow I can't picture a girl like you living in this curiosity. I don't intend to. Especially not after Father's... 
Well, anyway, it's too far from college. Uh, Miss Kilgallen, you said you were away at school when your father died, huh? Yes. I'll sell the place as soon as I get a fair bid. I don't know. Maybe Cousin John will take it. He wrote me that he'd like to if I'd sell for $20,000. Twenty? Oh, well, that's ridiculous. It's worth much more than that. Which is why I suspect Cousin John. Well, now, come on. Let's go outside again. I want to take another look at that busted flower pot. All right. You can go through the terrace door here. Look. Look, Mike. Who's hmm? the old character in the straw hat? What? Hey, wait a minute. He's sweeping up the flower pot. Hold on, hold on, partner. Oh, the gardener, old Dick. Butchie, you talking to me? Yes, sir, yes, sir. Just leave the pieces of the flower pot right there, huh? We want them for sentimental reasons. Well, Miss Kilgallen always told me to keep things spruce. It's all right this time, Dick. You weren't here yesterday, and you don't understand. By the way, sir, uh, how long have you been gardening here? Three, four months, I reckon. You want a handyman? No, no, I was just wondering... Do you, uh, know anything strange about this house? I mean, like, being haunted? Of course it's haunted. You don't know who by, but I vomit eat no place I'd hanker to live. I told Mr. Kilgallen... Did he and... think it was haunted? Of course he did. The hands got him, too. <laughs> They'll get everybody. You just listen a spell. You'll hear footsteps without no feet and moanings and things. That's true uh... enough, but they're not from the spiritual world. Ah, let me see. The flower pot fell from this balcony directly overhead. Yes. It, it couldn't have just happened. The pot was too big and heavy to jiggle off the railing. Yeah, but you saw no one push it. I wasn't looking up. It was warm yesterday afternoon, and I was watering the geraniums here. Just as I stooped over, it came down crash. Two seconds earlier, it would have crushed your skull. I think I'll climb these stairs and give the balcony a once-over. Hey, hey, you be careful, Mike. Don't push another pot down on us, huh? You're giving me ideas, my darling. Mike, out! I tell you, boy, I tell you. Mike! Oh, Mike, are you hurt? Oh. Baby, that was Here. a close call. If I hadn't grabbed the railing... Well, Mike, the steps just gave way under you. They're rotten. No, no, Angel, no, sir. They were meant to give way. Look at the underside of this next step. Huh? Mike... Why, that sawed halfway through. Yes, evidently the ghost of Moccasin Hill wants company. In just a moment, we'll rejoin Mike Shane and Phyllis Knight in their adventures. As your car gets older, its bearings wear down. The bushings enlarge and the joints and fittings loosen up and rattle. This means that lubrication becomes increasingly important in relieving friction and protecting worn parts against extra shock and strain. And since even the latest cars are now almost four years old, no one can afford to take a chance on a careless grease job. That is why the Union Oil Minutemen take such pride in stop-wear lubrication. Each job of stop-wear lubrication is performed so carefully and accurately, it is guaranteed in writing. When your car receives stop-wear lubrication, you can be sure that only the finest, high-quality greases are used throughout. And you can also be sure that each fitting and bearing will be thoroughly lubricated according to the manufacturer's specifications. While your car is on the hoist, the Minuteman will inspect out-of-sight points and check them for danger signs. So, ladies and gentlemen, for smoother, safer driving... Ask your Union Oil Minuteman for Stopware Guaranteed Lubrication. Stopware is an exclusive process available only at Union Oil Minuteman stations. Remember, Stopware Lubrication is guaranteed. Mm-hmm. 
Mike and Phyllis are still searching through the ancient house on Moccasin Hill, stalking the ghost who throws flower pots and designs collapsing staircases. Right now, they are interrupted by a new arrival. Why, Mr. Patton, won't you come in? Thank you, Miss Kilgallen. I happened to see your car in the driveway, and I thought I'd stop in a moment. I'm glad you did. Oh, I want you to meet some friends. This is Mr. Shane and Miss Knight from San Francisco. Oh, how do you do? How do you do, sir? Mr. Patton was my father's attorney. He's handling the estate. Yes, Mm -hmm. it's in that regard, Miss Kilgallen, that I'd like to talk to you. Could we uh, go into the living room? Certainly. You too, Mr. Shane and Miss Knight. All right. I thought it might be better if we talked alone. Oh, I have no secrets, Mr. Patton. And I think Mr. Shane may want to ask you some questions about father. Uh, Strictly in the line of duty. Mr. Patton. I've been retained to uh, investigate Mr. Kilgallen's death. Well, my dear girl, you're wasting your money. Your father died of heart disease. Perhaps, but what was it you wished to see me about? Oh, yes, oh, yes. Miss Kilgallen, I've thought it over, and I'm now prepared to offer you $22,500. I think that's a generous sum indeed for this property. I'm sorry, Mr. Patton. You know that father put over twice that much money into the place, and it has historic value. Uh, May I ask why you want to buy it? Why, that's obvious, sir, to live in. It won't be easy to dispose of with her father's death and certain rumors about the property. I think I'm doing her a kindness. I'll answer it. These uh, rumors, Mr. Patton, did this girl's father tell you anything that would bear them out? Well, Mr. Kilgallen was an ill man, sir. He had a rather morbid turn of mind, of course. It's for you, Mr. Shane, San Francisco. Oh, Oh, that's Faraday. Excuse me, please. Hello, Inspector. You did? Well, well, a pat on the old back, my boy. Uh Uh-huh. Right now? Okay, hold him there. Or or better still, bring him out here. Oh, I see. Then I guess he's out of reach by now. No? No, no, nothing much, Inspector, except that you uh, almost lost your best pinochle partner. (laughs) Well, the ghost pulled the staircase out from under me. Don't worry, I'm watching out. But uh, thanks for trying, Faraday. No hits, no runs, no ball game, huh? Mr. John Himes was registered at the Palace Hotel at or about the time the old man died. He also registered there just two days ago. Mike, you were right. And checked out this morning. Destination unknown. Oh. Even so, I'm sure you're wrong, Mr. Shane. Well, mm-hmm. Mr. Kilgallen, I take it you're rejecting my offer? I'm afraid I must. Well, very well. It's been a pleasure to meet you, sir. Thank uh, you. And Miss Knight. Thank you. Oh, I almost forgot. I found you a new gardener. His name is uh, Fred Norman. I brought him along with me. He's right outside. But I can't fire poor old Dick. You won't have to for a day or two. Uh, I'll need both men to help me on the little job. Oh, very well. You'll find Fred waiting at the back door. Uh, Good day. Good day, Mike, Mike, what are you up to? What job? Are we staying here? Not so loud, honey. I haven't any job for him, but I think Mr. Patton has. Oh, you mean this new gardener is a spy, huh? I mean. Well, we'll give him something to prick up his ears about. Okay. Miss Kilgallen... I want a tape measure, the longest you can find, please. What on earth for? Something tells me your ghost haunts a very secret room. We're going to find that room by yard, feet, and inches. Dropped it again. Well, hold on to it, honey. It's a tape measure, not a snake. Oh, quiet. I'm tired, Mike. We've spent over two hours measuring this house, every room, every hall, every closet. We haven't found a thing. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, the hall is 53 feet long. Now, Miss Kilgallen, what did we find in the living room? Let's see. It's on this other paper. It says here 30 feet. 30 feet. And the gun room next to it? 
14 feet each way. That totals 44 feet plus one foot for the wall. That's it. Yeah, see, there's eight feet missing. Fine, fine. How do we get into this secret room? By pickaxe? Come on, come on, into the gun room. But, Mr. Shane, uh, Father knew all our secret rooms. He had them all open. Well, he didn't know about this one, or maybe he just lost count. Okay, now, honey, you take the far end of the wall and I'll start up this end. There's got to be a hidden spring or something. Now, pound every inch of the woodwork. All right. It doesn't sound hollow. Well, that's why nobody suspected it. Come on, use some muscle, honey. You're just playing patty cake. Listen, Mike, Shane, I haven't got calluses on my knuckles. Oh, Mike! Huh? Mike, this panel, it moved. What? This is it, kids. It, it, it only moved an inch or so. I'll pull it open. There. There you are. It's dark as a coal bin inside. I'll strike a match. Good. Now we shall see what we shall see. Look. Isn't that an old table and, and a chair? Well, what's more important, a candle. We can get some real light. Yeah, that's better. Oh, oh honey. It's dusty in here. Well, sneeze the other way. You almost blew these off the table. Blew what off? These papers here. Newspaper clippings. Oh, they're so old, they're brown. Well, what on earth are they doing in here? I don't know. They're printed in old-fashioned type. Must be 60 or 70 years old. Hold on here. Hold on. Miss Kilgallen, what did you say the name uh, was of that stage robber? You mean Black Miguel? Yeah. Here, read this. Maybe this will mean something to you. Driver Billy Pringle reported to the sheriff that on Wednesday night his stage broke down at Moccasin Hill. Pringle took the express box to the Kilgallen house. Hey, that's your grandfather. I remember hearing some sort of story. Go on, read it. During the night, Black Miguel assaulted the driver. As he attempted to flee with a small fortune, Mr. Pringle shot and killed him. The express box, however, was not recovered. The authorities are not searching. You know, this sounds like something out of Treasure Island. <laughs> you can say that again, honey. Here, here's a diagram with everything on it except dig at the foot of the crooked pine tree. Yeah. Hey, Mike, hmm? that paper's almost new. Well, it would have to be. The handwriting is my father's. Well, then he did know about this room. Yes, and he must have spent plenty of time in here. Candle drippings all over the table. You know, there's something funny about them. You notice how heavy the dust and grit is on the table? Yet when I rub my finger over the wax spots... There's no they... dust on them. They're fresh. Yeah. It's changed. It's the living room wall. Somebody else wants in. Blow out the candle. We're leaving. I don't see anybody. Wait till I push this panel back. Mike. Mike, you're not going to use your gun. Come on, follow me into the living room. Quietly. Hands in the air, mister. Huh? What? Well, Fred Norman, the gardener. Get that gun away. You ain't got no call of... We heard you pounding that wall. What if it was? Thought I could knock the ashes out of his pipe, can he? Yeah, but you're a gardener. What are you doing in here? I was looking for Miss Kilgallen. I wanted to know about the rose bushes. But I guess I don't want to work here at all. What was that? The hmm? front door. Hey, don't you answer the door in this house? That's Faraday. Inspector Faraday. Well, since when is Moccasin Hill your bailiwick? Oh, I guess I'm just an old maid. Got to worrying about your neck. Not that I wouldn't like to bust it myself sometimes. Well, I'll save it for you just for you, Daddy. Here, here. No, all kidding aside, Faraday, there's something going on here which ain't done with mirrors. I'll say not. We found a secret room, papers telling of a stagecoach robbery 70 years ago, a map of where the treasure's buried. Plus rapping noises, hot and cold running spooks, anything you want, we've got it. Uh Uh-huh, yes. Has your cigarette tasted different lately? No, we mean it, Inspector. Somebody's putting on a spook act to frighten people away from here, even if it means killing people. Somebody wants the old express box, and he's willing to kill people to get it. Yeah, right out of this morning's comic strip. Ghost turns out to be an expert with a peg leg. All right, we'll take our word for it. Come on, we'll show you the secret room. 
Now watch. I'll press this wall panel here and... Well, I'll be... See, Inspector? Stoop as you go in or you'll bump your noggin. Any light switch in here? No, there's a candle on the table. I'll light it. Well, you weren't kidding. No, not the strip. Now, here are the papers I was talking about. Mike. Hey, wait a minute. The papers. Mike, they're gone. All right, come on now. We mean business, Fred. Come on, hand over those papers. We know you got them. I don't know nothing about any papers, and I don't know nothing about any secret room. You're lying. Patton brought you here. He hired you to steal them for him. What's more, you ain't no gardener. Old Dick can tell you that. Don't know a shovel from a hole. I'm leaving right now. I wouldn't work here for no kind of money. You're staying right here. You're not to leave this property, you understand? Maybe I won't, and maybe I will. You don't trust that feller. It's all right with you folks. I'll kind of follow him around. Keep my eye on him. Good idea. But let him do anything he wants. He'll tip his hand yet. But I don't see why you didn't search him for the missing papers. It's useless, honey. He's smart. He's already hidden them somewhere. Seems to be, Mr. Shane. This is all beside the point. I wanted you to find out if my father was murdered. Ray, that's impossible for any detective, miss. No one saw him die. He's been dead for days when he was found. Karn only made a rough guess when it happened. I think we can establish the time, Faraday. We were looking at the old gentleman's diary. It's here on the desk. Father was very religious in keeping up his diary. He wrote down everything he did. The final entry was made on the 17th of last month. Here it is. Quote, Rained all day. Afternoon spent cleaning and oiling all my guns. Had to fix the pin on the Derringer. Ah, uh, that's a pistol, isn't it, Mike? Mm-hmm. It's a short barrel, heavy caliber, darling. Just a minute. The Derringer. Oh, what about it? Well, Father always kept it on top of the bookcase. It's gone. Probably forgot to put it back after he fixed it. Yes, but getting back to the diary, these are his last sentences. Heard the noises again. It laughed and moaned. Next time it happens, I'll... And there he stopped. Right in the middle of a sentence. Oh, that front door. You'd think this was a housewarming. As I see it, Faraday, the old fellow heard something again. He stopped writing, got up, went into the living room to check up. Whatever he saw or heard stopped his heart. He was found in the chair by the telephone. I thought you were acting for me. Uh, what goes on? Well, I'm just as surprised as you are. This is John Hines, my cousin. The fellow from Boston. Well, sir, I'm very happy to meet you. My name is uh, Mike Shane. Oh, yes. Mr. Patton said you were investigating, looking me up. I understand you were in California last month about the time Mr. Kilgallen died. Yes, I was. And you're here now. Why? On business. I came up to see Patton about buying this property. I wrote to my cousin and to him as her attorney and made an offer. Now I find Patton is trying to buy the place himself. And uh, in case you didn't succeed, Mr. Patton, you hired Fred Norman, the fake gardener, to steal those papers from the secret room. I don't know what you're talking about. Mr. Himes, what is your interest in this property? We understand you live in Boston. Well, my firm is transferring me to San Francisco. I'd like to have a country home. Uh, just what is your business? <laughs> I can see you're suspicious. Perhaps you'd rather look at one of my cards. Well, it wouldn't hurt. Here you are. Thank you. Hmm. Investment banking. Uh, Michael... Inspector, could yeah. I see you alone a moment? Can't it wait, honey? No, it'll just take a minute. Oh, all right. Excuse us, please. Uh, come on. Let's go into the living room, huh? You look as wise as the Sphinx, Phil. You solved the case? Mm -hmm. Maybe. Now, this is it. I was standing right next to Himes, Mike, when he took out his wallet to give you that card. And? Well, there was an envelope tucked into a pocket of the wallet. Airline tickets. But the name written on the envelope said Gene Powers. Gene Powers? 
But that doesn't add up, honey. The girl introduced him as her cousin. She said John Himes. She said, do we have to believe her? I'm going to phone headquarters. Jean Powers may have a record. No, no. What's that? No. Oh, heavens. It's outside. Come on, quick. Time doors open. Yeah. Mike. Mike, look. Mike in the driveway. Yeah. Oh. Well, cross off one suspect. Ooh. Attorney at law, Stephen Patton. And add another. I just saw somebody on the balcony. Hmm? Who? Who did you see? Alan Kilgallen. <laughs> We'll rejoin Mike and Phyllis in just a moment. If you ever had a jack slip when you were changing a tire, you get a pretty forceful demonstration of how much a car weighs. Now, all that weight rests directly on the wheel bearings. And as you travel, those wheel bearings must revolve rapidly and still support the heavy weight of the car. Because of this concentrated pressure, and because they're also liable to damage from brake dust, grit, and water, front wheel bearings need the best possible lubrication. Failure to keep these bearings properly lubricated may result in expensive repairs, requiring parts now hard to get. Your neighborhood Union Oil Minuteman knows this. That's why he takes such pains to do a thorough job of lubricating front wheel bearings. First, he washes out all the old grease and dirt with solvent. Then the bearings and races are individually cleaned until they are dry and shiny. Finally, the clean, polished bearings are replaced in the races. Then, with special equipment, every surface is snugly packed in a thick coating of Union Oil wheel bearing grease. Then your front wheels are all set for months of well-lubricated, easy rolling. The cost for the entire service of your front wheel bearing assembly is nominal. So for safer, easier driving... Just stop in wherever you see the sign of the big orange and blue 76 and ask for Union Oil's front wheel bearing service. Thank you. A second man has died at the strange old house in Moccasin Hill. While Phyllis telephones for the local police, Mike and Inspector Faraday are in the gun room questioning four uneasy people. Now, we know what we're talking about. One of you here in this room killed Steve Patton because he knew too much or because he was double-crossing you. Miss Kilgallen, we'll start with you. What were you doing upstairs in that balcony? Why, I I heard the shot and I ran out to see what happened. Oh, that's no answer. When we left this room, you and your cousin were with Patton. Now, why did you go upstairs? To get Father's old watch for John. Father left it to him in his will. Does that satisfy you? Maybe. And you, Mr. Hines, where were you when the shot was fired? Why, I was following Ellen upstairs to get the watch. Is there anything wrong with that? No, no, I guess her cousin is entitled to the heirloom. But not a guy named Gene Powers. Well... <laughs> oh, so that's it. <laughs> Sharp eyes, Mr. Shane. The credit goes to Miss Knight. Well, it's quite innocent, really. Gene Powers is a friend of mine, and he had a plane ticket for New York tonight. He couldn't get away, so I'm using his priority. We'll check on that. You, Fred Norman. I was in the kitchen eating. Can't send a man to jail for swiping a chicken wing. You were watching him, Dick? Yes, sir. He wasn't even in the room. Oh, I was watching you through the hall door, okay. just waiting for you to do something. Okay, okay, okay. Now we're going to ask all of you to empty your pockets. Each one put his stuff in a pile on this table. What for? We're asking the questions. Stop digging. I know what you're up to. Looking for the gun that killed him. No, the murderer saved us that trouble. He put it right back where he got it. The Derringer there in the bookcase. Why, yes, it's back. All right, Mr. Hines, now let's see what you've dished out. Handkerchief, penknife, billfold, notebook, small change. And you, Dick? We ain't got much. 
Old oil rag, a knife, a busted pack of seeds, and four bits. Fred? Handkerchief, knife, pencil, and some money. Yes, too much money for a gardener. Fifty dollars? Well, that's Patton's money. He bribed him. Obviously. Uh, any pockets in your dress, Miss Kilgallen? No. If you tell us what you want, I'm sure... All right. Now, after the three of us ran out and found Patton, we did a quick circle around the outside of the house. We tried to come back in through this terrace door. It was locked and the key gone. That's odd. We used the door a little earlier. Yes, so did the murderer a little later. Fired a shot from the terrace, ducked back in, locked the door, and went to another part of the house. I'm sorry to spoil the game, kiddies. What? What? But is this what you want? Uh, the key. Mm-hmm. I found it by the door. Well, what are you... It had slipped under the carpet, Mike. All right, folks, you can put your stuff back in your pockets. Oh, too bad, Mike, it almost worked. Ah, but it did work. In a way we hadn't counted on. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, Mike. You know the killer? Positively, darling. The confession is right on top of that table in the secret room. I don't get it, Mike. There's nothing on this table. Just a candle, dust and grit and splotches of wax. That's all, Angel, but it's enough to convict the murderer. Oh, folly, daughter. Nobody ain't ever hanged a ghost. Take more than a smart big city detective. Well, I can't believe the motive. I don't think there's any buried treasure. It's quite possible, but Patton and his killer thought otherwise. They wanted no one on this property while they were hunting. So, the haunted house routine. But how could Mr. Patton be so cold-blooded? Father's friend and attorney deliberately scaring him to death. Well, he probably didn't intend to go that far, Miss Kilgallen. Hey, come on, Mike. Who gave Patton the tip for tat? Huh? All right, all right. Now, as you notice from these candle dippings, somebody spent plenty of time at this table going over the papers about uh, Black Miguel in the express box. Father, we found that diagram in his handwriting. And somebody else in just the last day or so. Somebody who emptied his pockets onto this table, perhaps searching for a pencil and notepaper. Mike, there's a limit to crystal gazing. You can't... Can't I? Brush your hand over the tabletop. That's it. Now, what have you got in your palm? Dust and grit. All right, now pick out some of that grit and eat it. Go on, go on, it's not dirt. Yeah. Seems to me... Yeah. yeah. I'm sure I've tasted this before. Yes, in restaurants, on rolls. It's poppy seed. Oh, oh this, this is the end. And uh, in whose pockets did we find a broken package of poppy seed? Hey, Dick's, the gardener. All right, maybe I was in there. I used to play in this house when I was a kid. It was all busted down. I knew every inch of it. That don't spell nothing. Oh, no, it does. You were very careful not to tell us about this room, not even Mr. Patton. All right, mister. Patton hired me to watch Dick and you folks. Figured Dick was cheating. That ain't saying I killed him. Nobody can say that. A dead man's diary can, Dick. The day Mr. Kilgallen died, he wrote that he cleaned all his guns, including the old Derringer. You mean there are only two sets of fingerprints on the gun? Yes. Kilgallen's? The man who fired it. Yes, Dick. That's exactly what I mean. You know something? That was very sweet of you, Faraday, coming clear out to Moxon Hill just to be Mike's bodyguard. Yes, sir. And driving his back home in a police car should beats that bus trip. <laughs> was doggone nice of you, Faraday. I got the sentiment. Maybe I just want to sell a couple of extra tickets to the policeman's ball. Oh, <laughs> we need those. As a policeman, Mr. Inspector, and as a detective, Mr. Shane, hmm? there's one thing you did in this case which I don't understand. Only one? 
Miss Knight, you are improving. Smarty. <laughs> you and Mike knew you could catch old Dick by his fingerprints on the Derringer, so why don't you bother to look for a missing door key and Mike act so big and brainy about the poppy seeds? Oh, honey, never put all your money on one horse. We were both afraid Dick had already wiped his fingerprints off the gun. But we didn't tell him that. Time was a-wasting, and it was a good shortcut. Uh-huh. Just as I thought. The big city boys had to crack it fast before the local hayseeds took over the case. And, uh, your glory. Why, Phyllis, how can you say such a thing? <laughs> <laughs> again next week at 8.30 for another adventure with Michael Shane, Private Detective, starring Wally Mayer and Kathy Lewis with Joe Forte. Tonight's story was written by Richard DeGraff and based on the character created by Brett Halliday. Music was composed and directed by Bernard Katz. This is John Lang saying goodnight for the people who make 76 gasoline and Triton Motor Oil. Union Oil Company. This is the Mutual Don Lee Broadcasting System. The Adventures of Michael Shane, Private Detective. The people who make 76 gasoline and Triton motor oil, Union Oil Company, present... The Adventures of Michael Shane, Private Detective, starring Wally Mayer and Kathy Lewis. Most private detectives, when they're called into a case by a wealthy patron, are ushered into the library or the gun room or the master's private den. Not so private detective Michael Shame and his attractive assistant Phyllis Knight. Oh, no. They find themselves at San Francisco's Cliff House to keep a date with, well, let Phyllis tell it, which she is doing without any of the poetry she knows so well. Now, there's no use arguing, Mike Shane. If she oh. weren't a blonde and good-looking, you'd have turned the case down. For the thousandth time, honey, I tell you, I haven't seen the girl. Oh, really? She isn't blonde, and I don't know whether or not she's good-looking. I'll bet, I'll I bet. I only know, honey, that she's frightened. Mm-hmm. She said she was a brunette, five foot two, and wearing a Kelly green raincoat. Well, then, there she is, hmm? staring out the window. Right, Angel. Well, leave us ankle over. You know, she does look scared. Oh, she saw us. Hey, does she know you? No, but I told her I was bringing you along and there aren't any other couples around. Mr. Shane and Miss Knight? Correct. You, Miss Jones? Well, no. Well, that is, I used that name over the phone, but my real name is Wright. Not Patricia Wright? Yes. Hmm? Oh, then it was your brother. I mean, I read the article in the papers. Hey, what is all this? My brother was killed Monday. The police said it was an accident. He fell over the cliff, they said, but... But you think he was killed <laughs> deliberately? Yes. Uh, murdered, in fact. Yes. Why? Well, I just know he was pushed over that cliff. And now, whom do you suspect? Well, I don't know. 
my father's manager, Mr. Haberman, for one, and, mm-hmm. and a Mr. Armstrong, a businessman dealing with my father, and... And... And your father? Well, yes. Well, not that I think my father killed my brother, no, but... Well, I am suspicious of some of my father's business dealings and very suspicious of some of his associates. Uh, Miss Wright, your brother was in the business with your father? Yes, and, well, he didn't approve of some of their deals. Did he complain to you or to your father, or both? Both. Well, they've had bitter quarrels over some of their transactions. And how about you, Miss Wright? Are you afraid for your own life? Yes, terribly oh. afraid. Okay. Okay, that settles it so far as I'm concerned. We'll take the case. Now, uh... How about going out to your place and looking over the ground? Hmm? But we can't. That's why I use the assumed name, and that's why I met you here instead of at the house. Listen, Patricia, your best safeguard is to let the murderer know that you have a detective on the job. The very fact that you've engaged me will make them wonder how much you know. We'll watch out for you, Miss Wright. Nothing's going to happen to you while Mike's on the job. Well, all right, I'll do it. Fine. Good. Now get in your car, then, and we'll follow you out, and even if he turns out to be your father, we'll get the killer. It's over here, just by that white post. That's where he, he fell. Uh-huh. Oh, boy. Did they, uh, did they take your brother's body away from the bottom of the cliff or uh, bring it up here on ropes? They took it away from the bottom, in a boat. I see. Was there much of a crowd here at the top? No. Why? Well, there are a lot of footprints here. The I'll ground see. is pretty well tramped down. But there weren't any people here at all. This is private property. The murderer tramped the ground to confuse Hey, wait a minute. What? What is it, Mike? Honey, you see those marks? Yeah. Those marks were made by a dead man's heels as his body was dragged to the edge of the cliff and thrown over. And the killer hid behind the tree. Yes, and probably hit his victim with a rock. Yeah. Uh, Patricia, did your brother have a date with anyone the night he was killed? Yes, with Mr. Haberman, Daddy's partner. Mr. Haberman came out to the house at 8 o'clock. Said that he'd made an appointment to meet my brother. But about 10 o'clock, he decided to go home. Just as he was leaving, the chauffeur came to the door and said that they'd found the body down on the rocks below the cliff. Was the chauffeur looking for your brother? No, he didn't know anything was wrong then. The chauffeur was out fishing and was just coming into the little cove when he saw a hat on the water. He turned the boat along the rocks and found my brother's body. The chauffeur is up at the house now? No, he left. He left? He left? What do you mean? Well, he's been doing a lot of drinking, and my brother fired him about a week ago. Oh, fine. We seem to be turning up suspects wherever we move. Yeah, right, Angel. Well, Miss Patricia, will you get your father's manager and Mr. Armstrong up to the house right away? Use any excuse at all. I'll get Inspector Faraday to find the chauffeur, and we'll have a little quiz contest with Mike Shane as quizmaster. I don't know what on earth you could be thinking of, Patricia, to do such a thing. But, Daddy... Not another word. You tell this Shane fellow to get about his business. When any private detectives are hired to come to this house, I'll do the hiring. Daddy, I'm more convinced than ever that my brother was murdered. Murdered? Stuff and nonsense. My dear, you're upset. I don't blame you for that. You were very fond of your brother. But thinking for one moment that any of my business associates could be guilty of such a thing... The idea of dragging Mr. Haberman and Mr. Armstrong out here to be cross-questioned by a a private detective. Why, it isn't as if there was any suspicion about your brother's death. 
The police were satisfied it was an accident. I'm not satisfied, however, Mr. Wright. Who are you, sir? Michael Shane, private detective, and this is my assistant, Miss Knight. Hello, I'm very happy to meet you, Mr. Wright. I'm sorry I can't say the same. Hmm? I hate to appear impolite, but I must ask you to leave my house immediately. Well, let's go, Mike. We don't have to take this sort of thing from anybody. Uh, just a minute, Angel. Oh, really? Mr. Wright, I suppose you realize that by your attitude, you're casting a lot of unnecessary suspicion on yourself. Why, you impudent young whelp. If I were a younger man, I'd thrash you within an inch of your life, you... you... Will you leave quietly, or will I have to have you thrown out? Evidently, there's company at the door, and I'd much prefer not to have to introduce you. Pardon me, sir, but Mr. Faraday. Faraday? Detective Inspector Faraday, sir. With the chauffeur, sir. Hello, Mike. Fellas. Hello, Inspector. Mr. Wright here was just about to order us thrown out. <laughs> he won't have a private detective around the place. I see. Well, maybe he'll let you stay as my assistant. What on earth are you talking about? I'm talking about the fact that we're here to investigate the death of your son. I'd just as soon get on with the questioning if you haven't any objections. Will you have everybody come in here? Uh, Inspector, they're all out in the front hall. I don't know what this is all about. I'm only the chauffeur. I haven't done anything. I'll sue you for arresting me. That's right. Be sure and do that. All right, into the front hall. Well, which one of you is Haberman? I'm Mr. Haberman. Why? And Armstrong, that's you, I suppose. Mm Mm-hmm, correct. Now, I don't know much about this except what Mike told me over the phone, but I understand that you, Mr. Haberman... Had an appointment with Mr. Wright, Jr., the deceased, the evening he was killed. Yes, that is true. Uh, what was that meeting about? Well, I don't see that's any of your business. You mm-hmm. can answer that question here and now or at headquarters later. Take your choice. Well, uh, it was a businessman. Don't answer him. But right, if I don't, he'll take me in and... And you know. he'll have to answer in the long run. It was uh, business, and young Mr. Wright was going to tell you that he wouldn't play along with the kind of deal you and his father were cooking up, correct? Well, that's putting it rather strongly. Hmm. He was a young fellow, too many idealistic ideas for the business world. I was quite certain I could straighten him out when we sat down and talked it over. And when he wouldn't listen, you threatened his life? Of course not. You didn't see him that night at all? No, I didn't. And you weren't anywhere near the top of the cliff between 8 and 10.30? I most certainly was not. Can you prove that? I can. I sat and talked with Mr. Haberman all evening. And Mr. Armstrong, I suppose you have an alibi, too? Well, I don't know. I think I was at a picture show that night, but I wasn't keeping track of my movements. Uh, I wasn't anywhere near this house, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, Inspector. Yes, Mike. Come here. I think we ought to do some checking on the murdered man's papers. We might find something that would give us a lead. You're probably right, Mike. Okay. You can all go now. But don't leave the place. We may want to do a few more answers before we leave. Uh, Miss Patricia. Yes, Inspector. Will you take us to your brother's room? We'll see what that leads us to. find anything, honey? Uh-uh. Nothing important, Mike. How about you, Inspector? Nothing. I hope we're not on a wild goose chase. Oh, I know we're not. Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Here's something. What, what is it, Mike? Find, Mike? It's a memo pad. Here's an entry. It says, must talk to father about Haberman's inability to do things honestly. If he can be so dishonest with the people we are doing business with, there will come a day when he will be as dishonest with us. Hey, hey, look at that later entry, Mike. The one made the day he was killed. Here. Oh, yes. We'll have showdown with Haberman tonight. Either he goes or I get out of the business. I've called him and made appointment for 7 o'clock. Wait a minute. 7 o'clock? Haberman said he made the appointment for 8 o'clock. Yeah, that's right. Come on. Come on, we'd better hurry up looking through this stuff and then a little more questioning for Mr. Haberman. What's the matter? What's the matter? Mr. Shane, Inspector, it's it's unbelievable. It's horrible. What is it? What is it? Haberman. I I went to the stables a few minutes ago. Go on, go on. Haberman was lying there, dead. (laughs) 
just a moment, we'll rejoin Mike Shane and his assistant Phyllis in their adventures. All of us know that some restaurants always seem to serve better food than others, even though their menus may read the same. The reason, of course, is simple. Better ingredients plus extra attention on the part of skilled help. The same principles apply to car lubrication. For example, Union Oil Stopware lubrication is more than just a grease job. Stopware lubrication is a highly specialized servicing process. Only trained attendants using the latest and most modern equipment are allowed to service your car. Each fitting and bearing is thoroughly lubricated with the finest, high-quality greases in accordance with the manufacturer's specifications. While your car is on the hoist, the Minutemen inspect out-of-sight points and check them for danger signs. As final evidence of the care and exactness with which stopware lubrication is performed, you receive a thousand-mile written guarantee with each job. Definite proof of reliable service. So, ladies and gentlemen, since careful, thorough lubrication is so vital to the life of your car, why not buy Stopware? Stopware guaranteed lubrication is available only at Union Oil Minuteman stations, and it costs no more than ordinary lubrication. Just look for the sign of the big orange and blue 76. Thank you. It is a few minutes later. Mike, Phyllis, and Inspector Faraday have reached the stables and stand looking down at Haberman's body. Now, how did it happen? Well, he just got too close to Prince, and Prince lashed out and kicked him. I found him lying here when I came by. Was anybody else around the stables? Yes, uh, Armstrong was here, and the groom and the gardener. Isn't it a bit odd that everyone should gather at the stables? No, I don't think so. Everybody's interested in the horses, especially Prince. Why Prince? Well, I've warned them all to keep away from him. He's a killer. Why have you kept him, then? Because I can handle him. So can the stable hands, and he's a very valuable horse. He just lashes out at strangers or people who don't talk to him as they approach him. (laughs) Surely you don't think this is murder, too? Hmm? Why, it's ridiculous. Nobody in their right mind can have any doubt as to how Haberman was killed. The mark of the horseshoe is as plain, too plain. Well, you can see the curve of the shoe across his forehead. Perhaps I'm not in my right mind, Mr. Wright, but when two men engaged in the same business die within a few days of each other, I'm suspicious. You and me both, Mike. Mr. Wright, you just walked out from the house and found Haberman lying dead. Well, uh, more or less, I came out from the back of the house, hmm? saw that the upper half of the door to Prince's stall was unlatched. I came over to latch it and found Haberman. I couldn't see him lying on the ground from where I was because, as you can see, he was hidden by the water trough. Yes. Yes, I see. So, Inspector, depending on how you look at it, everybody has alibis or nobody has an alibi. You're right, Mike. They all have alibis if they're telling the truth. Well, I most certainly have. I was talking on the telephone from the time I left you until I came out here. The servant saw me in the hall when I was on the phone. Oh, yes, and the chauffeur and the stable boy, Joe, saw me at the back of the stables. I didn't even come around front until Wright called out. That's true. I'm his alibi and he's mine. <laughs> so I'm afraid, Mr. Shane, you'll have to pin the guilt on the horse after all. Yeah, it looks that way, doesn't it? Oh, Mike. Yes, Inspector? How about running down to headquarters with me? Okay. But you're going to leave someone here. Well, I hardly think we need... Inspector. Inspector, for 24 hours, I'd like someone posted at the stables and at the west side of the house looking out toward the cliff. Yeah, but Mike... If only to guarantee the safety of Miss Wright. Okay, Mike. I'll leave the sergeant and one man. 
Will that satisfy you? Excellent, Inspector. Excellent. Now I'm quite ready to accompany you to headquarters. <laughs> Inspector, report on a threatening telegram. A threatening wire addressed to Haberman was handed in at San Francisco's main office. No one remembers what the man looked like. They paid no attention. Okay. Follow through on the chauffeur, will you? Yes, sir. Well, it's not much help. Uh, why don't you give up, Mike? After all, we're just following nothing but a hunch from that girl, Patricia. Now, that's right, Mike. I admit it's a bit gruesome having two deaths in the same household, but it's happened before. Oh, there's something wrong about the whole thing. What do you mean, Mike? Well, as I see it, the father, Mr. Wright, isn't above entering into shady deals. No, that seems apparent. So one can legitimately assume that his manager, Haberman, wasn't uh, averse to entering into the same sort of deal. We don't have to assume that. We know it from the son's memo pad. Yeah, that's right. The son actually accused him of being crooked. And we have Armstrong, a business associate. We can assume in his case, too, that he's not above turning a sort of twisted penny. To all of which the son is opposed to such an extent that he actually puts in writing that he's going to talk to his father and that either the crooked manager goes or he does. Right. And if we assume, too, that the father would rather have his son in the business than the crooked manager, we have motive for murder, for some men at least. And we have Haberman making a date to see the son. Which Haberman says was for 8 o'clock, but which we know for a fact was at 7 o'clock. You're building quite a case, Mike, but it all hinges on supposition. Suppose, Mike, that you're right. Yeah? And if you are right, and Haberman did kill the son, justice already overtaken him. Yeah, but there's something wrong with the whole thing, Inspector. You say I'm building the whole case uh, of a supposition. Well, plus a hunch of the girls, Mike. And a funny little quirk that keeps running through my own mind. What? Well, when I was a kid, I used to hold horses at the old Fairfax Hunt Club. Yes? Sometimes for a whole day's work, I made two bits. One day, well, I hadn't made my two bits. I guess I was a little on the anxious side. I stepped up too quickly to a horse. He lashed out at me, and I, I jumped back. But that hook, with its iron shoe, seemed to be following me. It was a huge, as huge as a, as a barn door. A great big black iron shoe that would mash my face in from chin to forehead. A great big letter U coming at... Go on, go on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, a big U. That's it. That's what's wrong with the picture. Oh, what a blockhead I've been. Say, what goes? What is it, Mike? Oh, come on. Can't you picture Haberman lying there on the ground by the stable? Well, sure I can, Don't but... you remember what Wright said? The mark of the horseshoe is as plain, too plain. You can see the curve of the shoe across his forehead. I remember him saying that, but what an... Mike, you're right. Well, I don't get it. Huh? I get... Yes, I do. Haberman would have had to be standing on his head for the horseshoe to have left a mark like that. Atta girl, honey, the mark was upside down. Come on, come on. Back to the right stables as fast as that squad car of yours will take us, Faraday. Go right back to the stables, Inspector. We can park there. Right, Mike. I'm going to follow my hunch as long as I'm in the mood. What do you mean, hunch? If I were a killer and had killed a man at the stables... Yes? ...and I was so certain that everybody would think it was an accident... ...and so nobody would even think of looking for a weapon... Yeah, yeah. ...where would I go to hide the weapon? The, the hayloft. Right. So come on, up these steps. 
Here, honey, I'll help you there. Well, I'm not very good at this. Well, I know that, but come on. There we are. Now you take the car in, honey. And I'll climb right. up onto the rack. Okay, and I'll take this in. Oh. It's not behind the speed box. It's not here either. Where's it? Where's Phyllis? Here. Here, under this load of hay. Okay. Anything up there, Inspector? No, everything up here is covered with dust, so I think this is all in the clear. Okay, mm. come down then before you break your neck. Ooh. What? What is it, honey? Oh, it's something heavy and wet. Huh? And sort of sticky. It's blood, Mike. Let me have it. I'll use my handkerchief. There may be fingerprints. What is it? Just a second. Look, Inspector. A heavy piece of timber. Oh, but with a horseshoe nailed to the flat side. Upside down. Okay. Okay, let's keep our find a secret and continue our quizzing. We'll rejoin Mike Shane, Phyllis Knight, and Inspector Faraday in their search for the killer in just a moment. We'd like you to listen for a moment to one of the most sickening sounds of modern life. Lately, you've been hearing that sound more frequently. Traffic accidents in the United States are increasing to an alarming extent as our automobiles grow older. To reduce human casualties and conserve transportation, the International Association of Chiefs of Police has developed a program to emphasize the need for good brakes for all cars. For the next six weeks, law enforcement officers throughout the nation will conduct a brake-checking campaign. They are seeking to protect your life and property. This program on brake emphasis for traffic safety is supported by over 100 automobile clubs and traffic organizations, including the Office of Defense Transportation. Your cooperation is earnestly requested. You can help by checking your own brakes. If you can depress your brake pedal within an inch of the floorboard before the brakes take hold, they are inadequate and demand immediate attention. Remember, serious accidents can occur at speeds as low as 20 miles per hour if your brakes are in poor condition. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you have the slightest doubt about the condition of your automobile brakes, don't take chances. Have them inspected without delay. Mike, Phyllis, Inspector Faraday, and Patricia Wright are in the library waiting for the members of the household to put in an appearance. Are you sure you don't want me to get Daddy and the others in here? No, no, not yet. We let them wander in one at a time and take them by surprise. I, I have a reason. Hey, what about the chauffeur, Mike? For my money, he's out. Mm. Why, Mike? Well, as a suspect for the killing of the son who fired him, he was a possibility, but I see no connection between him and Haberman's death. No, perhaps not. But don't forget one thing. He's the alibi for Armstrong, just as Armstrong is his alibi. The way I'm thinking right now, honey, no one has an alibi. What do you mean? When all the suspects have alibis for their actions, and yet you have two bodies to account for, there's only one act. One and that is? Someone or all of them are lying. And the alibis mean nothing, so just ignore them. Mike, somebody's coming. That's right. Oh, there you are, Pat. What? Oh, I, I thought you'd all gone back to the city. We did, sir, but we have a few more questions we'd like answered. If you don't mind my saying so, I, 
I think you're not quite bright. Hmm? Meaning what, Mr. Wright? Meaning that you're all following a completely senseless theory, trying to find clues to a murder when no murder has been committed. To everyone but you, it's obvious that Mr. Haberman had been kicked by Prince. Suppose we just skip that for a moment, huh? Uh, Mr. Wright, just exactly what is the relationship between your firm and Mr. Armstrong? I don't see that it's any of your business. Oh, now let's not go through that routine again. If you'd let me finish, I still think it's none of your business, but I'm perfectly willing to tell you. Mr. Armstrong is an agent for some eastern industrial properties which we're considering purchasing. I see. And was Mr. Haberman in complete agreement with you about this purchase? He was up until a few nights ago. Uh, what or who changed his mind? Well, uh, my son wasn't too happy about the deal, and I think he changed Haberman's mind. When did your son tell you that you either fired Haberman or he would leave the company? What? Why? Now, 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 don't get all insulted and abusive. We know your son did tell you that. Patricia, if you... Your daughter had nothing to do with our knowing that, Mr. Wright. Ah, let's not argue about it. It is true, isn't it? Yes. And what did you decide? Well, go on. Answer. Well, I... I hadn't made up my mind. I... I sort of hoped that things would work themselves out. And they have, sir. First, by the death of your son, and next, Haberman. Both troublesome elements removed within a week. Surely you don't... You can't think that I'd connive in the death of my own son. Patricia, you... Yes, Father. You don't believe that I had anything to do with... No, Dad. And I don't either. Nor do Miss Knight and Inspector Faraday. Well, I... I'm glad of that, I... I'm glad, too, that you're coming to your senses and realizing that my boy's death was an accident. No, Mr. Wright, your son's death was not an accident, any more than Haberman's was. Who could you possibly suspect? Who stands to gain by both deaths? Why, no one. What about Armstrong? Armstrong? But Armstrong... You mean that Armstrong was afraid that my son's objection to our deal and later Haberman's objection might cause the deal to fall through? Exactly, Mr. Wright, and it's very easy to prove, that is. It Mm. will be easy. If you will cooperate. Oh, oh, certainly. I'll cooperate in any way I can. But... <laughs> you haven't been very cooperative so far, Mr. Wright. Yes, well, I'll, I'll do whatever you ask me to. Now we're getting somewhere. Now here's what we'll do. Phyllis, the inspector, and I will hide. Phyllis behind the curtains leading to the terrace. The inspector in that closet. Got it. And I'll get behind the door. Yes. Patricia will go to her own room. You, you, Mr. Wright, will call Armstrong in and tell him you're not going through with the deal. I'm quite certain his reaction will be enough to convince you. Well, I, I don't think I'll find that difficult. I, I'd practically made up my mind to that anyway. All this I is think Armstrong to... is coming in the front door hall. Oh. All right, all right, now, quick, everybody, quick, get set. You run upstairs, Patricia, go on. Okay, right, call him in. Uh, oh, uh, <clears throat> that you, Armstrong? Yes. Did you want me? Uh, yes, yes. I I think, in spite of all the tragedy around here, that we ought to arrive at some definite conclusion about this transaction. Well, I suppose you're right. I didn't want to hurry you or seem aggressive with all the things that have happened. Yes, yes, I understand. But it is an excellent opportunity, and I know you'll make a mint out of it. I'm not going through with it, however. Uh, what? I'm not going through with it, Armstrong. Oh, you're not, well, that's what you think. What was that you said? I said that if you think you've got to back out now, you've got another thing coming. Oh, wait a minute. You're not leaving me holding the sack. I've obligated myself to those properties, and you're going to buy them. I'm most certainly not going to buy them if I don't want and to. And maybe this will persuade you. Put that gun down, you fool. Drop it, Armstrong. The next time, be faster. What is this? Is this a trap? In a way, it is, yes. And apparently quite a justifiable one. I must apologize for the gunplay... And I must apologize for being quite slow and somewhat blind. Blind, Mike? Yes. Yes, I should have noticed long before this that Mr. Armstrong was left-handed. 
I didn't, however, until he whipped out that gun of his with his left hand. Left-handed? Yes, Phil, left-handed. What? What does that matter? I've been left-handed all my life. Yes, Armstrong, left-handed. I think you can produce the evidence now, Inspector. Right, Mike. Did you ever see that weapon before, Armstrong? Where did you find it? In the haylock. That's where you hit it, isn't it, Armstrong? Okay, Inspector, I don't think we'll get any more argument out of him. You ready, Armstrong? Uh, yes. Much more coffee, Inspector. No, thanks, Phyllis. Mmm, that was an excellent dinner. Oh, say that again. Angel's a good cook. Flatterer. As well as being good at uh, poetry review. Oh. <laughs> say that left-handed business. I've been turning it over and over in my mind. I don't see what on earth Armstrong's being left-handed had to do with the case at all. Hmm? Well, I thought perhaps his being left-handed was, well, responsible for him nailing the horseshoe on the club the wrong way. Oh, no, Angel. No. That was just the inevitable slip that the murderer makes. Well, then what was the left-handed clue? When I remarked on Armstrong's being left-handed, you repeated it after me, remember? Yeah, sure. I... I caught the look in Mike's eye and repeated it after you. Well, yes, I remember that, too. It impressed me, but I didn't catch on. Ah, then it impressed Armstrong, too, and he didn't catch on. He didn't know why or what we had in mind, and the inspector and I didn't give him time to find out. We played cat and mouse with him. Armstrong thought that his being left-handed was a clue. He couldn't figure out what it was. But our tone of voice convinced him that we had him dead to rights. And, well, he broke down. Smarty. Hmm? <laughs> it was nothing but playing up a guilty conscience. <laughs> right, Angel. One of the best weapons a private detective has. So let it be a lesson to you there, darling. And don't try holding out anything on your old man, Mike Shane. Or your good old conscience will get you. again next week at 8.30 for another adventure with Michael Shane, Private Detective, starring Wally Mayer and Kathy Lewis, and Joe Forte as Inspector Faraday. Tonight's story was written and produced by David Taylor, and based on the character created by Brett Halliday. Music was composed and directed by Bernard Katz. This is John Lang saying goodnight for the people who make 76 gasoline and Triton motor oil. Union Oil Company. This is the Mutual Don Lee Broadcasting System. The Adventures of Michael Shane, Private Detective.
The people who make 76 gasoline and Triton Motor Oil, Union Oil Company, present... The Adventures of Michael Shane, Private Detective, starring Wally Mayer and Kathy Lewis. Shane isn't burning the midnight oil over some unsolved crime. He's generally doing the next most interesting thing, talking about one. Right now, he's leaning back in his easy chair, doing a powerful lot of talking to his old friend, Inspector Faraday. It's a stag session, for Mike's assistant, Phyllis Knight, has gone home early this evening. Of course, Faraday, I don't know much about the case except what I've read in the papers, but it seems to me that you're going after the wrong guy. Mike, this Joe has got a prison record as long as a kangaroo's tail. Why should he sidestep a little thing like murder? Just because he has got a prison record as long as a kangaroo's tail. Look, I remember a case back in New York that's almost a carbon copy of this. I've got some newspaper clippings on it in the files here. I'll read them to you in just a second. You don't get the point, Mike. This killing is gruesome, horrible. It would take a hardened criminal to carry it through. Doggone it, they're here in the files somewhere. Now, Phil could turn right to it. Yeah, she went home kind of early this evening, didn't she? Yeah. She's got a girlfriend staying up at the apartment with her. <laughs> went home to help her pack up. Friend from out of town? Uh-huh. Girl had a fight with her fiancé and wants to play hermit for a few days. I know. The old feminine trick. Goodbye forever. Till next Saturday night. Right. I'll get it, Mike. Hello? Mike. Oh, thank heavens you're still there. This is Faraday, Phyllis. Mike's ransacking his files. I'll get them for wait you. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You better hear this, too, Inspector. Maybe it's your business. What's wrong, girl? You sound scared blue. I am. I know something's happened. I don't dare look. All right, but what is it? Phil? Yeah, wait, wait a minute. Let me talk to her. Here. She sounds like she's going to cry. Hello, Angel. Oh, Mike. Mike, get over here quick. Now, wait a minute. Calm down, honey. Now, tell me what's wrong. Well, you, you know Lois was leaving my apartment tonight, and I came home to help her pack. Yeah, sure, sure. Well, Mike, she's not here. At hmm? least I don't think so. Now, please, Angel, wait a minute. I can't tell what you're talking about. Well, I... Her trunk already packed and locked, and yeah. And I think, yep. I, yep. What? What, honey? What? I think her body's inside. Well, at last, I thought you'd never get here. Honey, we came as fast as we could. Yeah. Where's the trunk? In the bedroom. All right, now tell me what happened. Well, I found the hall door off the lock, so I expected she'd be right back. I kept waiting, and then I started to worry. She had that row with Nelson. He threatened her. <laughs> you see what I mean, Faraday? A woman's intuition. Well, the, the baggage man came. He started to take the trunk, but then... Then I heard it. Heard what? Something slumped inside. And the trunk seemed so heavy, I... I told the man to leave it. We weren't going to send it after all. Oh, great. I looked at it real close, and, and when I saw the padlock... I, Oh, that's when I phoned you, Mike. Mm-hmm. Well, I see it. It's mere blood on the lock. But that's not unusual, honey. Maybe she cut her hand when she closed the trunk. Oh, for heaven's sakes, I'm no child. Look here in this closet. There. There are all Lois's dresses, still on the hangers. They weren't packed in the trunk. It just means that she hasn't finished packing. I thought of that, too, Mike. I started to push the trunk back against the wall, but it wouldn't budge. There's something inside of it, and it isn't clothing. Well, let's see. Loaded with something. There. There, you hear that? Something slumped inside. J- 
just as you tip the trunk, Faraday. Okay, I guess the only way we can satisfy you is to open it, if we can find the key. Oh, here, I've got it. It's, it's here in her purse. That's another thing that scared me, Mike. Lois's handbag. Just laying here on the dressing table. Let's have it, Phil. Honey, wasn't that the hall door? Of course, there's your girl now. Oh, oh it's about time that she... No. No, it's Nelson. Hmm? Let's see. Yeah, you looking for somebody, partner? Oh, uh, I, I didn't think there was anybody you here. You always walk right in when there's nobody home? Well, I meant... Uh, I, I thought Lois was here alone. I'll, I'll come back again. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, we'd like you to stay. She uh, she may be in any minute. Well, I, I really... Uh, come in a minute. Come on in. We'd like to talk to you ourselves. Come on, come on, come on. I, I, I don't understand. You're friends of Lois? Yes. This is Mike Shane and Inspector Faraday. I don't understand. You don't have to. Okay, Phil, let's have that key. Here. Thanks. Hey, here, what are you doing? That's Lois's trunk. You have any right to Maybe not, uh, but we like to open surprise packages. Oh, oh, I hope I'm wrong. I hope it's a mistake. All right, Mike. Let's swing her open. Honey. Yeah? What? What's inside? No, no, don't look. I'm afraid you were right. Karn is on his way. Oh, it, it doesn't seem real. Just a few hours ago, I was talking to her, and now... I know, honey, I know. It's hard to take. You, young fellow, what's your name? Huh? Uh, Nelson Carter. Supposed to be the girl's fiancé, huh? You don't seem to be particularly upset. Uh, I'm stunned. What, uh, what brought you here? I came to see Lois. I, I was here this afternoon and we had another fight. I came back to apologize. That's something new. First time you ever apologized for anything. You drove the poor girl half crazy. Well, it was her fault. She wouldn't listen to me. I was right from the very start. Oh, Sure. So right you never let her have a thought of her own. You hounded her with your rightness. That's why she moved in with me, to get away from you and your pestering phone calls and your fights. That's a lie. You came between us. Lois told me this afternoon you said she should forget me. I told her so at breakfast. But she couldn't. She was still in love with you. What? Huh? She was going back to her apartment tomorrow morning. There's something I don't get. If Lois was using Phil's apartment as a sort of hideout, how did this fella know she was here? That's my business. It's also ours, son. What time did you come here this afternoon? Why, about 4.30. Hmm. The girl's been dead three or four hours. Say, look here, if you're trying to pin this on me, you're crazy. Maybe. Lois told me about your insane temper. You threatened to kill her. I did not. Oh, you're a pack of fools. But I think I do know who did it. Yeah? Who? Wait a minute. Hmm? Who can that be? Oh, it's too soon for the coroner. I'll answer it. Good evening. Good evening. Well, sorry to bother you at this hour, but we had some trouble about a pickup at this address. Oh, what kind of a pickup? Why, a, a trunk. I'm the traffic investigator for the transfer company. We gave one of our drivers a pickup order at this apartment, but he didn't bring it in. In fact, he's disappeared. Oh, wait a minute. I can explain part of it. I told your driver I'd changed my mind. I didn't want the trunk sent. Oh, oh, I see. You. Oh, you're Miss Phyllis Knight. That's right. Haven't I yet? 
Haven't I met you somewhere before? Your voice sounds familiar. It ought to, Mr. Shane. You used to hear it every day. Hmm? Going up, sir? Floors, please? An elevator operator. In the Rust Building. Well, I'm I'm sorry I disturbed you, but we're just trying to locate our driver. Good night. Yeah. Mm, uh, good night. That's funny. Why should a baggage company driver disappear? Right after he came for this trunk. I wonder... All right, kids, let's get back to business. Now, Mr. Carter, you start to say you knew the killer. Yeah, Lois's old boss, Joseph Spiegel. He's uh, head of the Spiegel Chemical Laboratories. She told me this afternoon he was coming to see her. Yeah, but he doesn't know she was here. Lois quit her job with him last week. Assume he did know. Why should our next boss want to kill the girl? Because he's a crook. I used to work in Spiegel's laboratory, and I discovered he was stealing formulas from other companies. So I quit. Uh, but not Lois. Oh, no. Now, she was his private secretary, and her boss was just a soul of honor. That's what started our fighting. Yes, but when she learned you were right, she did quit. Three days ago. All right. But it sounds like a pretty flimsy reason to kill a girl. Not if Lois had the goods on him. He wanted to stop her tongue. You weren't fighting about that this afternoon? No. No, she told me she was going to go to work for another chemical company. I told her when I married, I didn't want my wife working. Well, we both got pretty mad. She said she'd never marry me. I can imagine how you took that with your conceit. Uh, how about it, Mike? I don't know. I'm a little worried, Faraday. This is Phil's apartment. She's been living here alone up till the past few days. Yeah? Lois and Phyllis are about the same height, same color hair. Yeah. Maybe... Maybe somebody thought he was killing Phyllis. Huh? Who'd want to? I haven't an enemy in the world. Oh, you've got hundreds, angels, as many as I've got. Mm. Mike Shane and Phyllis Knight have sent plenty of lugs up the river. Yeah, but Lois and I don't really look alike, Mike. A, a killer would be awfully certain before he did it. Why should he, honey? Yours is the only name on the mailbox. If some crook hired a gunman to come to this address and knock off the girl living in apartment 660... Listen, Mike, that stuff doesn't happen in San Francisco. Those are the old Al Capone days. <sighs> Well, maybe I'm a nervous Nellie. I just don't want Phil running any danger. Mike. Yes? Come here a minute. Look here. Hmm? Here. This ashtray. Well, I see what you mean. Mr. Carter, do you uh, smoke? What? Uh, yes. A uh, pipe. Oh. There's a cigar button in this ashtray. Spiegel. He smokes them all the time. I told you he was coming here. Maybe we should check that right now. You know where he lives? Yeah, he's got an apartment at his plant. It's next to the laboratory. That's on uh, Bay Street. Okay, suppose Phil and I mosey over there right now and swap formulas with Dr. Spiegel. Good, and if the coroner gets through here in time, I'll join you. Oh, Mr. Shane. Hmm? Have you got a gun? You think I'll need it? You might. Spiegel's a huge man with a cunning, fiendish mind. <laughs> well, thanks for the warning. I'll be ready with a few shenanigans of my own. In just a moment, we'll rejoin Mike and Phyllis in their adventures. Quality of workmanship and materials has always been the hallmark of successful business. That is why Union Oil Company has copyrighted the name Stopware. You see, stopware lubrication is more than just a grease job. It is a system that has been worked out from years of experience to give your automobile the best possible care. With stopware lubrication, you can be sure that nothing on your automobile has been overlooked or hurriedly serviced. Each fitting is carefully and thoroughly lubricated according to the manufacturer's specifications. Only the finest high-quality greases are used. And while your car is on the hoist... 
The Minutemen inspect out-of-sight points and check them for danger signs. As a proof of Stopware's superior lubrication, you receive a written guarantee with each job. Stopware lubrication jobs are a matter of pride with Union Oil Minutemen. And you'll know why when you take the wheel after a Stopware servicing. You'll find your car rolls smoother, handles easier, stands up better with regular Stopware lubrication. So, ladies and gentlemen, with correct car servicing so important these days, why take a chance on inferior work? Stopware, the best attention you can buy, costs no more than ordinary lubrication. Remember, Stopware is an exclusive, guaranteed process, available only at Union Oil Minuteman stations. It is a dark and foggy street in San Francisco's commercial district. Light streams out into the night through an open door. The entrance to the Spiegel Chemical Laboratories. In the doorway is the huge silhouette of a man. Shane? Michael Shane? Yes, sir. I do not know you, sir. I'm aware of that, Dr. Spiegel, but Miss Knight and I would like to talk to you. It's very important. Impossible. Tonight I'm working in my laboratory. It's about Lois Lavers, Doctor. Lois? Oh. Come in. Close the door, please. We will talk in the laboratory. I must get back to my experiment. This way, please. Thank you. Jeepers, he is a giant, Mike. Mm-hmm. And those thick glasses make him look like a movie horror man. You, sir. Mr. Shane, you are a detective. How did you know that? Well, I rather expected Lois might talk to someone. She's a very neurotic girl. She imagines things. I'm afraid she's past that, Dr. Spiegel. She's dead. Dead. Murdered. It's a pity. She had a fine brain. But uh, too much imagination? My laboratory. I caution you both not to handle the tubes or retorts. They are very fragile. Oh. Golly, it's uh, it's an elaborate place. What are you experimenting on? That, madam, is my business. Doctor, I believe you knew Nelson Carter, Lois' fiancé. Hmm, he used to work here. Capable, but of wired temper. And very jealous. Of you, perhaps? Yes. I used to take Lois to dinner so I could continue my work without interruption. Nelson misunderstood. Yes. I should not be surprised if he killed her. Perhaps. Uh, you saw Lois this afternoon, Doctor. About what time? A very good detective. <laughs> About five o'clock, I would say. How did you know she was staying in my apartment? One moment. There is trouble with this retort. Better? Better? How did I know? It is very simple. Lois telephoned me. Her last paycheck was incorrect. I brought her a new one. Is that all you want to see her about? No. Also, I asked her to come back. She was an excellent secretary. Mr. Shane, what are you doing? Just admiring your laundry in the sink. Laundry? Does your experiment include bleaching of blood-soaked handkerchiefs, Doctor? Good heavens. Yes, they, they are my handkerchiefs, yes. But the blood is not from Lois's veins. Ooh. She was strangled, then stabbed to death by a sharp instrument, Doctor. Like this surgical knife here. <laughs> Perhaps I, I show you how I use that knife. In this cage... Ooh. Rats! Hundreds of them. One hundred, madam. Diseased, very sick rats. When my experiments are concluded, they go in here. 
into this bin. Oh, no. Very dramatic, Doctor. But it doesn't fool us. Sure. Sure, you wanted Lois to come back to work, but she told you she was going to another chemical company. That scared you, Doctor. If she told about your stolen formulas and your other cookery... Oh, she did talk. I thought this was a trick. Don't you reach for your gun, Mr. Shane. My hand is already in my pocket. You killed her. You lie. She's not dead. It's a trick to get something on me. Get out. Get out of here, both of you. Now you will forget you ever came here. You will drop this investigation. I don't take orders from you, Dr. Spiegel. This time you will. Your young lady has sense if you have not. Good night. Oh, I thought he was going to keep us in there and experiment on us. Yes. <laughs> he's a cold-blooded baby. Yeah. Mike. Hmm? Hey, the inspector. There, he's parked in that police car. Oh, with Nelson. Yeah. Just got here in time to see the bums rush. What are the odds? I don't know, Inspector. He's devilish enough to commit murder. Should I take him in for questioning? No, no, not yet, not yet. He'll be here. He doesn't scare out. Mike found handkerchiefs soaking with blood. He, he said he was experimenting with rats. Mm. I think he was sincere, though. He figured we were on the trail of those stolen formulas. He killed her, I tell you. If the police don't get him, I will. Oh, stop acting. You're too dead anxious to pin it on Spiegel. Yes, yes, and the good doctor threw the honor right back at Nelson. I'm on the fence. Spiegel had the motive, Nelson had the jealousy and the temper to do it. Each saw the girl about the time she died. Mike, if you ask me, you're passing up a bit. Hmm? The killer stuffed Lois into the trunk so her body could be smuggled out of the building. Find where the trunk was going and perhaps we'll have the address of the murderer. But she ordered the trunk picked up herself, Phil. Maybe she didn't. Anyway, it's worth a try. Hop in, Angel. We're heading for that transfer company. Appreciate it, sir. You're coming down and opening the office at this time of the night. Well, lucky my wife saw you were a policeman or she'd never have let me out of the house. <laughs> uh, this is our dispatch office. Oh, uh, by the way, have you located your missing driver? Missing driver? I, I don't understand. Why, your traffic investigator came to the apartment. The driver that was to pick up the trunk had disappeared. He, he was checking up. Well, that's impossible. All of our men checked in tonight. And we don't have a, what did you call him, a traffic investigator? Mike. He was a fake. Mm -hmm. That's not so good. Probably never ran an elevator in the Rust Building either. This thing is getting screwier by the minute. Oh, here we are. Here's the pickup order on the trunk. It's under the name, uh, oh, yes, Phyllis Knight. Not under Lois Lavers. Well, let's see. It was a phone order received 5.25 p.m. Yeah. Trunk to be sent to 9053 Jennifer Street. Mm -hmm. Seems to me I've heard that address before. 9053 Jennifer 9053 Jennifer. Yeah, there's something about it. I should hope so. It's the address of Michael Shane. I was right, Inspector. I was right. Lois was killed by mistake. It was intended to be filled. Well, if that's the case, then Carter and Spiegel cancel out. Correct, honey. 
The murderer had planned to kill Phyllis, send her body in that trunk to my apartment, and leave me to explain it to the police. All right, maybe so. Say the motive is revenge. You got a hundred enemies, Mike. One of them poses as a transfer company investigator, but who is he? He didn't leave a single fingerprint in Phil's apartment. Where do we start looking? Oh, if I could only remember the guy. I, I know his voice. But where have I heard it? When did I? I must know him. Well, he didn't know me very well, or he'd never have killed the wrong girl. Lois and I were the same height, same color of hair, Mike, but that's all. Maybe... Maybe he figured you changed a lot, honey, if, if he hadn't seen you in a long time, if he'd been away, if he'd had been... Faraday! Yeah, if he'd been away in prison. Kids, we're going to make a phone call right now. Hello, give me San Quentin. Phil, Phil, honey, close that door to the other room. We yeah. can't hear a thing. Hello, Inspector Faraday, San Francisco calling. Yes, I want to speak to him personally. Might get on that extension phone. Hmm? Yeah, okay. Hello, Faraday. What's on your mind? Plenty, sir. We need a list of all prisoners you've released from your little sanatorium in the past two weeks. Past two weeks, huh? Yeah. I'm afraid it'll hardly make a list, Faraday. Only one man. What's his name? Now, let me see. Well, it was Ford. Harold Ford. That mean anything to you, Mike? Hmm. Well, I never heard of him. Well, who's that on the phone, Mike Shane? Well, you got sharp ears, sir. We, uh, we figured maybe you had released a prisoner who had a grudge against me. Some old enemy of Mike's who might try his hand at revenge. Oh, that's the only release we've had lately. In fact, Mike, you can subtract one enemy from your book. Hmm? Died here last week. Al Smock. Al Smock? Holy jumping. Now I remember. It's Al Smock's brother, Jack Smock. That's right. He had a brother. Came up here and claimed the body. Does that mean anything to you? Aha! Does it? Send an extra plate in your dining room, Chief. We're sending you a new border. Goodbye, sir, and thanks a million for your help. Jack Smock. Jack Smock. He must have dyed his hair and put on glasses. Phil, Phil, you remember the case? The two brothers uh, about four years ago? Yeah, yeah, vaguely. It was uh, it was manslaughter. You helped send the one called Al Smock up for 20 years. Right, honey, right. Jack was supposed to be brother's Al, alibi. Yeah. But our testimony tied him up in bow knots. Yeah, that's so right. So Al died in prison. Now, brother Jack is out for revenge. Oh, fine. But where is brother Jack right now, and how do we catch him? Got it, honey. Jack claimed the body, so he must have buried him. Now we got to find that body. <laughs> We'll return to Mike Shane and his adventures in just a moment. Due to their position, the front wheel bearings of your automobile are subject to damage from dirt, water, grit, and brake dust. Because of their more exposed position, and because they are so important to safe, easy driving, front wheel bearings need the best possible lubrication. Failure to keep these bearings well greased can mean wheel shimmy, hard steering, and weakening of the whole front assembly. For these reasons, your neighborhood Union Oil Minuteman uses extra care when he lubricates your front wheel bearings. First, he washes out all the old grease and dirt with solvents. Then the bearings and races are individually cleaned until they are dry and shiny. Finally, the clean, polished bearings are carefully assembled in the races and greased with special equipment. With each bearing snugly sealed in a smooth, sturdy coating of Union Oil ball roll grease, your front wheels are all set for months of well-lubricated, easy rolling. The cost for the entire service is nominal, so for safer, easier driving, just stop in wherever you see the sign of the big orange and blue 76 and ask for Union Oil front wheel bearing service. Thank you. Mm-hmm. 
At police headquarters, Mike and Inspector Faraday each holds a telephone in his hands. They have checked every cemetery in the book. Well, here's the last one. Shadow Mountain Cemetery. Yes, sir. Here it is. Albert Smock, interred last Friday. The plot was bought by a Mr. Jack Smock. Swell, swell. Uh, what's his address? Our records show it as 1960 Waterfront. This is it, kids. Looks like a busted-down rooming house. And somebody's head sticking out of every window. Yeah, there. There's a sergeant at the entrance. Good work, Sergeant. Anybody try to leave the building? No, sir. I got two boys at the back door, two in the alley, and two by the fire escape. Okay, let's go in, Mike. I'm coming, too. You are not. You want a hole in your head? I might get one just standing here, Smarty. Hmm? Smock may be in that crowd across the street. Something oh. to that, Mike. Yes. Sergeant, your job will be to take care of Miss Knight. We're all going in. Right. Come on. Oh, jeepers, it's dark again. Why don't they light these stairs? Quiet, honey, quiet. He's on this next floor. If he's in his room. The landlord said room 305. Now, let me see. That'd be here to the left. Keep close to the wall. There it is. That door there. There's no light shining under it. Maybe he's playing possum. Sergeant, you and Phil stay here, flatten out against the wall. Yes, sir. Now... You ready, Ready. He's playing coy. Open up, Smock. You're completely surrounded. Okay, so you won't open up. All right, Barney? Yeah. So that's his answer. Okay, Mike, let's go. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'll get the light. Oh, hurry up, hurry up. Here it is. Mike! Oh, he's flat on the floor! Mike, are you all right? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Okay, Inspector, okay. Climb out from under that table. Wait, I know somebody got hit, but who? He shot the gun right out of my hand. Yeah, I know. I didn't know where to aim in the dark till he fired, and I saw his flash. Thanks to you, Mike, I'm still breathing. Well, this man on the floor won't be unless we get an ambulance quick. You found out. I didn't think... Yeah, you're right, buddy. You didn't think, period. Revenge doesn't take much in the way of brains. Just an awful lot of lives. <laughs> Don't be silly, Phyllis. Mrs. Faraday will be glad to put you up for a couple of nights. Here, drink this down. Right. He's right, honey. Stay out of your apartment for a few days till you sort of forget what's happened. Oh, all right. I was just thinking, hmm? you know, this was a freak case. Everything stacked up so strongly against Nelson Carter and Dr. Spiegel. Mm -hmm. And yet at the last minute, it turned out to be almost a complete stranger. Because we were looking for the wrong motive. Yeah, I'm worried about that guy Spiegel. He looks to me like a guy who'd commit plenty of murders. And will before he gets through with his career. No, you can spike that, Faraday. Lock him up for stealing chemical formulas. That'll keep him quiet. Hey, not a bad idea. Keep him so busy making little ones out of big ones that he can't make dead ones out of live ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope, honey, that this little episode won't scare you out of the detecting business. 
Nearly getting bumped off by your boss's enemies. He's got plenty more enemies besides Jack Smock. Oh, I don't know. I'd stick anyway. My boss forgets the attractions of the job. What? <laughs> What? Why, honey. <laughs> Tune in again next week at 8.30 for another adventure with Michael Shane, Private Detective, starring Wally Mayer and Kathy Lewis, and Joe Forte as Inspector Faraday. Tonight's story was written by Richard DeGraff and based on the character created by Brett Holliday. Music was composed and directed by Bernard Katz. This is John Lang saying goodnight for the people who make 76 gasoline and Triton motor oil. Union Oil Company. This is the Mutual Don Lee Broadcasting System. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.